That's the Blue Haze from 1972, and Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. That song has been played many times by many artists through the years. I think the most famous rendition is of The Platters, but that is my favorite. And one of the lyrics in the song cannot be denied, that smoke gets in your eyes. Well, we can't deny that around this area right now. Also this morning, Lisa Middleton. She is a city councilwoman recently elected for the city of Palm Springs. There's about three or four flights from Seattle that goes down to Palm Springs, at least in the winter. And uh, I've been doing that for the last five years with my wife and two dogs. And not only do you get a lot of sunshine, which is why a lot of people go, but I've been struck by the beauty of Palm Springs, a mountain range that you can almost reach out and touch called the San Justinito Mountains. And uh, they surround a lot of Palm Springs. Two other things I want to mention quickly. One is a tramway that goes two and a half miles vertical up into the sky. The temperature change can be like 35 degrees in just the time you get on the tramway to the time you get to the top. Also, Joshua Tree National Park is a must-see. I'm not trying to be a travel agent today, but I just thought I'd let you know why I decided to go and interview a city councilwoman from Palm Springs, and uh, talk about what she sees about the future of that city. Also, the executive director of the New York Times, Dean Pacake, and he's going to be talking about the assault on journalists. Enemy of the people, according to that guy who's the president. Just imagine countries like Turkey and, and uh, let's say, Egypt or Pakistan, the Philippines, who don't care for journalists in the first place. Then you've got this guy saying they're the enemy of the people. I'm sure that plays well with the dictators elsewhere. So, back with my interview with Lisa Middleton in just a moment. You were in politics and state government before running for office yourself. And now that you've been in for a little time, Mm -hmm. what's the difference and what surprises you most about now being an elected official as opposed to, let's say, working within the system? Uh, being an elected official, you have uh, much greater uh, rec- recognition by uh, the public, and uh, I really do have this sense of responsibility to uh, the voters and uh, to uh, to the people that elect you, you uh, that uh, that impression that you are their voice and you are there to represent them uh, is uh, is a remarkable feeling, and uh, I get that when people come up to me and they talk about a vote I've taken or something I have said. Uh, uh, from the dais or a reaction that I've had uh, uh, that I've given to the, uh, the newspaper or to the media and 
the affirmation that uh, that's what they wanted to hear said is uh, an incredibly gratifying feeling. Uh, it's not as much fun when they say, no, that's not what I wanted you to say. Uh, but uh, it still feels good when they say, I wish you'd have come to a different conclusion, but I liked your logic and, uh, and appreciate uh, what went into your decision. Are people pretty much <clears throat> respectful? Uh, respectful, yes. Uh, but uh, they're, they're very uh, close. Uh, municipal government, uh, there's, uh, there's not much distance between you and, uh, and the voters, and it's, uh, uh, there's no reluctance to get on the phone and say, I agree with this or I don't agree with that. Uh, so. And they're pretty clear when they don't agree. Yeah, I mean, in terms, you know, you have a congressperson, you go to be in D.C. and you're away from it, but you're dealing with a daily reality of it's, running a it city. It is really face-to-face. -face. Right. Contact sport in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, downtown revitalization has been going on for some time. Uh, what are your feelings about the way it is, where it is now, and, and where it's headed? Are you happy with the progress? I know there were some stumbling blocks along the way, but it seems like it's back on track. There definitely were stumbling blocks uh, along the way, uh, and uh, I'm, we are for the most part past uh, those. Uh, the reactions that I'm hearing from people uh, are very positive. Uh, they, they like the look of uh, the new buildings, they like the energy that they see there. Uh, the, one of the things that really pleases me is uh, that little courtyard area in front of the new Starbucks uh, and adjacent to the Kempton Hotel. When I uh, walk through there, I see a mix of visitors from out of town and people that are here local. And that interaction of uh, visitors and residents was one of the things that we absolutely wanted to see uh, happen and uh, it's just very gratifying to see that it is happening. You know, you mentioned the Starbucks uh, there. I'm from Seattle mm -hmm. and that's the best Starbucks I've ever been in, oh. the new one. Seriously, that was a beautiful store. I, I didn't really care for, I think the other ones I've been into, they're small, kind of clustered and, and mm -hmm. I feel a little bit just things on me there. I, I don't feel comfortable, but that one's just gorgeous. It, it's got a beautiful uh, uh, outdoor area to it, uh, but uh, I, you know, we all get a little competitive in any business, and uh, over the last month I've had uh, uh, four members of city councils outside of Palm Springs who've come up to me at different meetings and said something to the effect of, uh, I was in your downtown uh, last week or the week before. Wow, it really looks good. Uh, so that, that affirmation from, uh, from our friends in other cities uh, who serve on councils is really uh, uh, very pleasing. We came here our first time five years ago. I've been here before, but stayed here for a couple, three months. And I have seen an enormous improvement of downtown Palm Springs yes. over the last five years. And it really attracted us from coming our first year to Indian Wells. Now we're in Twin Palms, Palm Springs, and that's exactly where we want to be. Good. So uh, you're doing, the, you're heading in the right direction. In another subject, I look at you know what is 
really the main industries here in healthcare, casinos, education, hotels are kind of the staple now. And I know you also have a small business development mm -hmm. that you're trying to attract more, more right. small businesses. What type of businesses would you like to come here? Uh, you know, everyone is out trying to get uh, tech to come to uh, uh, to their communities because it is the future. The, the employment uh, pays well. Um, what I would like to see us do, uh, working with our friends across the Coachella Valley and with Coachella Valley Economic Partnership, is become, we're not going to get the next Amazon headquarters. But if we can get some of the service uh, firms that aid and abet uh, the larger uh, uh, tech industries, if we can get uh, a uh, Apple, an Amazon, a Microsoft to locate some of their processing operations in the Coachella Valley, I think that would be a tremendous move uh, uh, forward for us. Uh, but I do think it is going to take cooperation uh, valley-wide. And you mentioned to me near the airport there was some sort of center going up there. Like, was, was that a tech center or something along those lines? Coachella Valley Economic Partnership uh, is leasing some space to uh, a uh, gentleman who's going to try a co-working uh, facility uh, near the airport, and uh, I think that's a good start. Uh, we have uh, an awful lot of executives that visit Palm Springs. We're trying to uh, get them to decide they'd like to stay here longer uh, and bring some of their work with them. Sure. Um, yeah, you, they're coming to your front door anyhow, so why not see if you can recruit that while they're here. Along those lines, it seems to me that Palm Springs is becoming more of a 12-month city or in the Coachella Valley. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Um, if you go back uh, 15, 20 years and you talk to the uh, restaurants in town, they would tell you that they uh, closed uh, during summer. Or if they stayed open, they stayed open with minimal hours and uh, some of it was just simply trying to keep some of their staff employed year-round. Um, but we're seeing uh, people who have moved into the valley uh, and uh, this is their home. A lot of this is uh, individuals who uh, who retired to Palm Springs, and uh, they uh, they're here most of the year. They may vacation a bit in uh, in the hottest months of the summer, but uh, they're not, they don't take off uh, at Memorial Day and not come back till uh, Thanksgiving. The way. Uh, it happened uh, 30, 40 years ago. And is there like a plan, like let's say 10 years from now, the mix of that, like retirements go maybe 50% now, that'd be 40%, and then 50% would be people staying year round. Is there any master plan like that? I don't think we planned it uh, in that sense. What uh, I do th see the city trying to do is make this a place that if you want to be here year-round, you're going to find things to do and the opportunity to be active year-round, and people are making that uh, that selection for themselves. Uh, this becoming much more a primary residence. Looking at uh, the infrastructure, I've noticed 
traffic has really uh, gotten worse, I guess, <laughs> you know, it's it, going back just five years ago. Are you concerned about that? Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, we don't have a lot of land left within uh, Palm Springs. Most of our streets were laid out uh, uh, prior to the 1950s. Uh, so, uh, th and they were laid out at a time when we were not a year-round uh, city, and city was a much smaller uh, city. So we've got some uh, some issues in terms of traffic. Uh, there is a project uh, that just got funded uh, the, through the Coachella Valley Association of Governments using some federal funds that will help uh, valley-wide synchronize stoplights so that people can flow through and we get better traffic movement with the, uh, the existing streets that, uh, that we have. And uh, the line I'm beginning, that I'm hearing more and more often and that we're certainly trying to take advantage of is uh, building new lanes and building new roadways because you have a traffic problem is the equivalent of letting out your belt because you have a weight issue. That's <laughs> a lot of truth to that. Uh, so we're trying to find ways to move traffic much more efficiently uh, through the city. Uh, and I'm I, I'm old enough to be a little bit leery of autonomous uh, vehicles and what the future holds, uh, but I'm also uh, uh, young enough to see there are going to be, I think, some future opportunities with uh, electric vehicles uh, and differently designed uh, uh, cars uh, and mass transit that, uh, that we can... Uh, uh, the, 20, the models for moving tr people from one place to another at the end of this century are not going to look like the models that we were working from in the middle of the 20th century or, or before. So, I see. One uh, request I will make about traffic as everybody mm -hmm. tells you and I've been here and this is all some cities do it better than others but one thing when I was coming here I was driving down Sunrise and I'm taking a right on Ramon and it keeps coming up to me and I see two or three people standing on the corner the lights green and I start to go right and then they get the walk sign and we're always having battles mm -hmm. my thing is I don't understand this is why the people still have the the um, don't walk sign, let the traffic go through and then let them go. Why we have that competing, and, and, and say it's in every city. Uh, it is in every city and making it safe for pedestrians is, uh, is and for traffic and for cycling is, is a huge goal of mine. Uh, we lost eight people uh, two years ago in one year uh, in fatalities on our streets, cyclists and pedestrians. Most of the time, a pedestrian was doing something they should not have done. Uh, but uh, pedestrians do things they're not supposed to do. Uh, one of our jobs is to create the conditions so that the person behind the wheel has an opportunity to react before there's a fatality. 
when uh, a pedestrian does something that uh, they shouldn't have done. Um, we are on Indian Canyon going, uh, or excuse me, on Palm Canyon, create some crosswalks, uh, four of them that are similar to what you see in many cities where you have, uh, you stop all traffic in all four directions and let pedestrians cross and they can cross the, uh, from one corner to the other across the uh, middle of the street. Uh, I think that will help move some of the traffic along. Part of that that I want to see us experiment with is also some times when uh, the light's green, but you can't cross uh, as a pedestrian, only the vehicle can cross so the vehicles can get out of the way and then the pedestrian can. Uh, I don't know that that will be in every street but uh, uh, if we could try that as a part of the introduction of those uh, four-way crossing of pedestrians then I, I think we can move some traffic along. Great, glad to hear it. Lisa for president. <laughs> uh, one, uh, two more questions. One, about affordability. Concerned about Palm Springs and its growth, that it can stay affordable because I've again noticed since we've gone to Twin Palms area that the costs are escalating. Our city's hot uh, in more ways than one. Uh, it, uh, it's a market that people want to move into and that's caused prices to increase. We are the only uh, Coachella Valley city where the median price uh, has recovered from what it uh, pre-recession uh, levels. So uh, we've, we're outpacing our friends uh, uh, in the rest of the valley in terms of our recovery. Um, what that's doing is, I think, creating a greater need for the city to be proactive in helping to bring uh, low-income housing into the city. Uh, I was at a groundbreaking yesterday uh, for the Desert AIDS Project, which is doing incredibly uh, wonderful growth. And one of the things that they are going to be building is a new 64-unit uh, low-income housing uh, project for patients uh, that they have. Right now, they have a two-and-a-half-year waiting list for their low-income housing. Uh, there is a need for low-income housing for families. Far too many of the people who work in our restaurants, at our schools, uh, and in City Hall can't afford to live in Palm Springs. Hmm. You um, were the first transgender individual elected non-judicial in the state of California, the history. Um, Obviously, that is a major movement in terms of society and, and where we're going. Kind of like when you look at President Kennedy elected in 1960, the first Catholic president. So it's a milestone. The question is that your agenda and what you want to have, that getting in the way, concerned about that? Or, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting is that how do you deal with that, I guess, lack of a better way of putting it? Or how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm very proud of it. Uh, and very proud of my city and the people of, uh, of this city. Uh, I wish somebody else had done it earlier just because I wish we'd have broken this ceiling uh, earlier. Um, but uh, it uh, being a first 
creates, I think, a responsibility to, uh, to do the job well. And I definitely feel that responsibility and I'm excited by it. Uh, it also uh, has created some visibility that gives me an opportunity to uh, use that visibility to uh, promote what uh, we frequently refer to as Palm Springs values. And those values of inclusiveness, of a commitment to uh, diversity uh, that uh, talks about inclusion of uh, LGBTQ uh, communities and uh, and minority communities in our public life. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with uh, success of cities in the 21st century. If you look at where the growth is taking place, if you look at where young people are moving to, you see that it is communities that have progressive political values that have culture that is attractive for people to come to, uh, that uh, has, uh, that is starting new enterprises and new businesses that is committed uh, to green energy and uh, safeguarding our environment. I am absolutely convinced that's where the future it lies. And if uh, being a transgender elected official gives me an opportunity from time to time to spread that message beyond the border of Palm Springs, I'm going to do it uh, because I want to see my country prosper. And uh, my country is going to prosper when we uh, adopt these kinds of values in all 50 states. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Lisa Middleton was the first non-judicial transgender person elected in the history of the state of California that was non-judicial. I did not want to introduce her as that prior to the interview because I didn't want that to get in the way of what she talked about in terms of the priorities of Palm Springs. doesn't matter what gender you are, what sex you are, priorities are priorities. But the fact is that she is and very proud of that. And now she has great company from the state of Vermont, where Christine Hulquist is now the nominee for governor, who is also transgender. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Trump's assault on the press continues. But one of the things I didn't really think about is the effect that the assault that Trump is doing to the American press, calling them the enemy of the people. It's really bad in this country, and he gets the crowd all riled up. But then you think about the journalists that are in foreign countries like Egypt, maybe the Philippines and Turkey covering these countries. And you have a president of the United States, again, calling out them as the enemy of the people. Well, you have these dictators, these oligarchs, whoever they are, 
who don't like the press in the first place, doesn't this give them a license to do whatever they want to? Like, let's say, censor them, throw them in jail, or worse. So I hate to ruin your afternoon by playing this guy's voice, and uh, I'll do so to make the point. And then Dean Baycake, who is the executive editor of the New York Times, addresses this issue. And he did this on CNN on David Axelrod's Axel Files. Now, you know, we have a lot of fake news back there, these fakers. The enemy of the people, I call them. I'm deeply concerned, and not only concerned, by the way, about um, what happens inside the United States at, at some of the volatile Trump rallies. I, I think that the president has sent a message to despots abroad that you can disrespect the press. We've had presidents attack the press. We've never had pres- a president go on foreign soil and attack the press. So both of us have to manage newsrooms with people who operate in the third world. Both of us manage n- newsrooms with people who cover you know, governments that don't like the press. It's, I can't tell you how concerning it is that this president has essentially told, to, told those governments, you can beat up the press, you can call them enemies of the people. How can my correspondent in Cairo, who covers a government that's often antagonistic to the press, how can he make the case for the First Amendment and the power of the press and for covering that government independently when we have a president of the United States who says the things he says about the press. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Voices of Experience. My thanks to Lisa Middleton, Dean Pacake, and the Blue Haze for the 1972 song, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. Now, Voices of Experience airs at 4.30 p.m. on Tuesdays and 8.30 a.m. on Wednesdays, right here on KKNW, 1150 a.m. Again, my name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. My phone number is 206-459-5536, 206-459-5536. Again, like to talk with anybody with experience in their field like public affairs, travel, fitness, education, putting on special events, also an emphasis on entrepreneurship. If you want to make any comment also about what I talked about today, pro or con, you can call 425 653 1166 and leave your message on the voicemail. I promise to play it, but just please keep it short so I don't have to edit it. That's the only reason I will edit what you say is that if it's just because it's too long. That number again is 425-653-1166. And finally, just want to let you know, if you're thinking about self-employment, I develop what I call the self-employment quiz. And you can visit VoicesOfExperience.com, that's VoicesOfExperience.com, and take the 20-question self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. Have a great rest of the week, and don't let the smoke get in your eyes.